0: It's a process usually associated with the loss of a loved one, a friend, a family member, maybe even an admired celebrity who passes away, but what about when it's not a loved one? Maybe not even a person at all, but a set of ideas, a vision for the future that is lost. The 2016 presidential election has been, well, (laughs) unique to say the least, and one of the pieces of that uniqueness was the candidacy of Bernie Sanders the longest-serving independent member of Congress, and a 74-year-old Democratic Socialist who became an unlikely populist candidate and sparked what he and many of his supporters deemed a political revolution. Full disclosure, I was one of those supporters. And as the Associated Press called the election for Hillary Clinton the day before my primary here in California, and my social media filled with pressure from Hillary supporters to immediately throw my enthusiastic support behind the victorious Democratic candidate, I was angry and bitter. in feeling like what those people were asking of me to flip my support on a dime after being so deeply emotionally invested in the Sanders campaign was unrealistic and dismissive of the emotional process that I knew I would have to go through before even considering what my next move would be, no matter how I felt about Hillary Clinton and her platform. This pressure to move on at what felt like an inhuman pace was like someone rushing me through a period of mourning just a day after losing someone dear to me. This idea that I was at the beginning stages of a grieving process really resonated with me and all the complex emotions that I felt as I began to mourn not only a political candidate, but a platform and a future for America that I desperately wanted to see and that had given me immense hope. I even resorted to taking a silly online poll to see if what I was experiencing was indeed grief-like, and after pressing submit, was pushed to confirmation. I just basically had to replace loved one in the automated results to politician and platform and boom, it was spot on. It said, people who have scored similarly to you often complain of complicated grief. Complicated grief is characterized by a preoccupation with thoughts of the lost politician and platform, yearning for the lost politician and platform, disbelief about the loss, and having difficulty accepting the loss. Seeing others respond to messages about it being time to unite the party with it's too frickin' soon had me curious about whether others were also in a process of grieving, and if so, what their experiences were, and what moving through those stages of grief when it wasn't a loved one, per se, though I don't doubt that many Sanders supporters would say they love him, (laughs) but a campaign, a platform, a future that was lost. Commonly, grief is discussed as a five-stage process, a model developed by psychiatrist Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Those stages, which are not necessarily experienced linearly or even one at a time, are D-A-B-D-A, or DABDA, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Today, you'll hear the thoughts and feelings of five Bernie Sanders supporters as they navigate through those five stages of grief over his loss to Hillary Clinton in the Democratic primary.
1: My name is Nola. I am a
2: registered voter in Oregon. My name is Carol, and I live in California.
3: My name is Samson. I live in Portland, Oregon. My name
4: is Dina. I'm from
5: Wisconsin. This is Felicia. I live in Oregon.
0: I figure before understanding how these Sanders supporters are feeling about his loss, First, we need to understand how they were feeling about his candidacy in the first place and the possibility of his nomination.
6: So um, what are some words you would use to describe how Bernie Sanders makes you feel?
2: He makes me feel optimistic. He makes me feel engaged. And he makes me feel like I'm part of something bigger.
3: Yeah, that I'm part of a community. Relieved that we could actually have a candidate like him.
1: Refreshed, excited, hopeful, and seen or listened to, I don't, or witnessed, I guess, in some way. To some extent,
4: hopeful, but also heard.
5: Hopeful, enthusiastic,
0: good. Those are some pretty wonderful feelings. So, I wanted to know more about the specifics. What was it about Bernie and his candidacy and his campaign and his platform that had folks feeling so good?
1: How he talks about the distinctly huge imbalance in income inequality in this country made me feel like he has this really incredible analysis of how money and power get tied together and how that financial imbalance in our country has hurt so many people and it's possible for us to level out things. The more he got into the campaign, the more I saw that he was movable after I think he had gone through some education or some folks closer to him had worked worked with him on different issues that feel close to me. Understanding about how race and racism are tied into poverty and income inequality, on availability of education on our terms, on talking about gender justice.
4: You know, wanting to appeal the united to talking about changing our military spending and moving away from neoliberal intervention, moving away from neoliberal trade policies, focusing on developing our economy here, acknowledging the demographics that are being excluded from growth. You know, I don't find his platform perfect. or things that I wish he would look to that he hasn't. But you know, he's he seems to be. Yeah, he seems to be reflective of what people want.
2: His rhetoric was, um, was more about, okay, these are the root causes of these social problems, and here are the ideas I have to fix them.
5: His focus on breaking up the big banks, on making the corporations and the rich pay their share of taxes, on reducing uh, military spending to pay for... Domestic spending, um, his focus on equal rights, all of all of those things, and personally, he's just he's a very dynamic person. I believe he's honest, uh, which is a very rare quality in a politician, and he he walks the talk, and he always has done that. Uh, well, the fact that he has been
3: pretty consistent um, as far as his issues despite whether or not they are popular at the time. And he made a big commitment to not, you know, using super PACs and big money. And he doesn't have a lot of personal wealth to throw at his campaign. And he, like, finances it all through, like, pretty small donations. He's a surprising political candidate in that he really stuck to it.
4: Honestly, Bernie Sanders, is really like not the person who I want to be saying the things that he's saying and, and, and the person, you know, like if I had the preference of not to put going all of my weight behind a elderly white male, um, I, I would have gone for somebody else. But I think the you thing know, about his platform that I find appealing is his mobilization of people to participate. I think for a really long time, the, the mainstream conversation on politics kind of disregards the people who aren't voting disregards people whose voices haven't been heard as though they are somehow lazy or entitled or um, they don't care. What Bernie Sanders campaign seems to recognize is that those people have been disenfranchised and disillusioned about how the system works.
1: The thing that has always inspired me about Bernie Sanders' campaign is this. So much of what he's talking about and is wanting to see happen is reflective of a world that I want to see happen. It's reflective of we're going to have to make some really hard, big, and chaotic changes. Even if it means that the bottom falls out and we're all in poverty, at least we're all dealing with something at the same time and not having You know, this like tiny group of folks who hold all of this immense wealth and continue to withhold and make us fight for scraps with each other. Um, I felt like what Bernie was offering was saying, I have a table. I'm at this table. You're at this table, too. And the table gets too small. We're going to make it bigger.
0: If that's how they felt about Bernie and why they felt it, what about his contender? They were mourning Bernie's loss, they aren't exactly thrilled about their remaining options. But while some were adamantly opposed to much of Clinton's platform, others I spoke with felt well lukewarm about her candidacy.
6: So what are some words that would describe how Hillary Clinton makes you feel? Fine. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> yeah, I feel very tepid
3: about her.
2: I have, I don't I don't have any very negative words to associate with her, in some ways I think she would be totally fine, but maybe fine in the negative sense, in the way that people say fine.
1: She makes me feel thoughtful,
6: um, concerned, terrified.
0: <laughs> Folks were really quick to shift from talking about how Hillary Clinton and her campaign makes them feel, to instead describing who they feel Hillary Clinton is.
1: Um... I find a way of saying uh, status quo, but not – she doesn't make me feel like I'm the status quo. She makes me feel like things are going to continue operating at status quo.
4: Um, she represents, like, everything current and status quo to me.
2: The word establishment comes up, the word status quo. Thinking about Hillary Clinton really makes me grapple, like, with my own misogyny in a really interesting way. Like, being a person who doesn't really want to support her, but trying to figure out
3: exactly how to articulate why. I think it's really hard to talk about how you feel about Hillary Clinton without unpacking all of the the sexism that goes into, like, all the sexism that has occurred during her campaign. It's hard to say like well bernie sanders is is so authentic, um and it's like Hillary Clinton wouldn't even be a viable candidate if she had been authentic for her entire political career because she doesn't have that luxury, so with that caveat, I guess I would say that Hillary Clinton is a true politician
5: she's very defensive she's she's not open and she's not transparent at all, uh and I think that The um, hostility and criticism that she has faced all her life has had a lot to do um, with shaping that, you know, and that's really sad. But at the same time, that's how she is.
0: So what specifically about Hillary's platform and her career as a politician had those that I spoke with so concerned? There's her participation in the corrupting role that money plays in our political system.
5: It's incredibly offensive to me that she raked in $21 million in speaking fees from all these big corporations, including Wall Street and oil companies and Big
1: Pharma. I felt concerned about her affiliation with the really big banks, knowing that they're also a big part of the reason why many people who are close to me lost their retirement and lost houses and lost a possibility um, at a stable future and are now having basically to work until they die.
0: Also concerning for many were her foreign policies.
2: She's going to continue the same policies or be even more into warmongering considering she
3: voted for the Iraq war. Her foreign policy platform in terms of like how willing she is to go to war and like being very pro-Israel.
1: I think I feel concerned that she has been a willing participant in this, like, incredibly um, incredibly present militaristic presence that the U.S. has continued to have.
0: Some spoke of their concern over policies and decisions she's made that felt inconsistent in conflict or politically motivated. Zina used early childhood education, an issue she's really passionate about, as an example.
4: When she talks about it, she talks about it for... A very limited part of the population, right? And At the same time, she is talking about trade policies that are going to make those jobs more difficult. And she's working with, uh, prison organizations that are supporting a school to prison pipeline. And she's, you know, she's abdicated all of the opportunities she's had to really make an, a difference and really say something about changing the structure of our militarized police force that, that limits a lot of communities. And at the same time, she's hawkish in international ways where she's at, with one hand saying that we should give American people early childhood development, but imposing or trying to work to impose a world order that denies that to other people, you know, to, to make it so that people around the world don't have that same opportunity. And I think it's, it's, it's the, it's the nuance that is so terrifying. It's, a, it's that she says so many of the right things, but at the same time, can say so many of the wrong things and do so many of the wrong things.
2: I find her views to be inconsistent, um, and she can often, in my view, kind of be politi- um, politicking.
0: Clinton's moderate social policies and rhetoric in general, and particularly regarding systemic racism, also had these Sanders supporters concerned about the prospect of Clinton's nomination
2: think that her social policy proposals are kind of pandering and and don't go far enough.
3: She's definitely more on the like, we should work with what we got. But that's sort of like her whole thing, is that she's like working she's working within the political climate. She's not trying to like push it. I don't think that she's radical enough about race issues. Um she wasn't really she wasn't willing to go there.
1: I'm not okay with what I have seen of Hillary Clinton's views toward Black children and Black youth um, and Black adults. I feel like I've seen her tokenize folks. You know, I saw that one, there was this one kid, right, who I think called her out and was like, you call us super predators, you know, and she was so dismissive. We're like, we're not having that conversation. What if you took just a breath to say, I'm sorry that I said that, and... I don't think of you as a super predator or if she does think of black people as super predators, just like say that, you know, like just be upfront about who you are. She had an opportunity to treat this young black person with some respect just in that moment to say, you're right. I did say that. And I, and I think the way that she treated that moment right then told me a lot about how willing or unwilling she is to talk about her own understanding of race, of racism and Valuing of the, the the lives of Black people in this country. So I feel like a lot. I think I think several of those things are are all the things I have factored into why not not feeling supportive of her. <laughs>
0: While the stages of grief are fluid and at times cyclical, generally denial is thought to mark the beginning of the grieving process. And there's no doubt that some I spoke with were not ready to admit a Sanders defeat. It's important to note where we were in the election cycle when these interviews were conducted. The primaries had just ended. Bernie had yet to concede or endorse Clinton, but as you know, the Associated Press had called the election for Hillary Clinton the day before that final big day of primaries. So while the numbers were technically there, and many were urging Bernie supporters to move on and unite the party, many Grieving Sanders supporters weren't ready to come to a place of acceptance yet. Even I, in grief myself, had at this point come to believe he'd officially lost, and I was called out readily.
6: You were a Bernie Sanders
0: supporter during the primaries,
6: correct?
2: Yeah, still am.
0: Still are.
6: (laughs) I just yes, I should have phrased that differently. So you are a Bernie Sanders supporter
0: (laughs) currently.
6: Yeah,
0: yeah. That was Carol. And Carol originally spoke of more of a numb denial do you believe that Bernie Sanders has lost the Democratic nomination?
2: No. I'm definitely in denial.
6: And so so what do you believe the current state of the primary is, and what could the future hold for Bernie Sanders' campaign?
2: Well, I mean, I guess what I will say is that since the California primary, I've kind of disengaged a little bit with the primary politics and analysis and articles. So I don't really know. Um, I guess maybe I'm a little bit in denial and I'm continuing to be.
0: But then she began to name what she believed was possible, which she was self-aware might be another possibly intersecting stage of grief, bargaining.
2: Yeah, I'm personally in denial, but then I would say I'm partially bargaining. Um, Like, Mm -hmm. okay, like what next? Okay, maybe he's not the nominee. But I don't think his ideas are dead at all. I think that, if anything, what I learned in the past six months is that there are so many people in America who are fed up, you know, and who want to kind to change that Bernie talks about. I don't even think we need Bernie. And he knows that. That's what he's been saying the whole time. Like, you don't need me. Right. <laughs> really, like, you need each other more than me. I'm going to die soon anyway.
0: Felicia was not yet ready to think about Bernie's ideas moving forward without him, as she thought through possible scenarios that would lead to Clinton not getting the DNC nomination.
5: I mean, it's already become clear to many of us that Hillary may not, may be unelectable against Donald Trump or be on very shaky ground against Donald Trump. Uh, I'm hoping that the movers and shakers of the Democratic Party, start to understand that. And, you know, I was never one who put a lot of stock in the big email scandal until the State Department Inspector General report came out, and it was pretty damning. And if something else, if the other shoe falls before the convention, I think she won't be the nominee. Uh, but the key is whether the superdelegates come to believe that she's not electable.
0: Samson, who's a logical thinker and a stickler for reason and truth with a capital T, was focusing his denial on the rules of the process. In reality, the process was not over.
3: Yeah, it's not over until he uh ends his campaign officially before the convention or the convention and they officially choose Hillary Clinton. And I think, technically, so technically, it's not over. And I recognize that, and I recognize that there is a possibility that super delegates um, could switch over. I just find it extremely unlikely. And as upsetting as it is to see, like the AP call the nomination, you know, before California is even done voting and before the convention. And for people to say that it's mathematically impossible for Bernie Sanders to get the nomination, that, like, angers me on, like, a very, like, logical, technical level,
0: because I'm like, well, but that's
3: just, like, not the case, though. It's just not
0: true. While Carol agreed that folks were getting ahead of the process, she also understood that the massive momentum of Democrats and the media moving on wasn't nothing.
2: She hasn't clinched the nomination in any literal sense because there hasn't been a convention yet. Mm-hmm. But, but a lot of people are accepting as fact that she is the nominee, even without the numbers. So it's true enough, I guess.
0: The other two folks I spoke with, Nola and Zena, were not in a stage of denial at all.
6: Do you believe that Hillary Clinton will be the Democratic nominee and that Bernie yeah. Sanders is lost?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, I I think that she I think that she now has she's effectively gotten the she'll get the nomination
0: at the convention. Though Nolan did experience one brief moment of denial right after the AP announced that Clinton had clenched it.
1: I was like, what? When I first saw it, I was like, no, that that can't be right. You know, but then I started looking and reading things. And then I was like, yeah, this is Hillary's Hillary's got it as much as I don't agree with that that things still off in the count you know but again it's like i'm trying to understand a really complex system with primaries with with delegates superdelegates, delegates caucuses popular but you know like there's so much going on there
0: unlike carol instead of shying away from information that may move them out of denial nola dug into figuring out the primary landscape and where things stood after gathering that information nola indeed did move out of denial and into other emotions of grief and frustration with the process
1: I think I mean I think I was just initially like angry and
0: confused.
6: Zena felt similarly. What was your reaction to the Associated Press calling the election for Hillary the day before the final primaries?
4: Frustration for sure.
6: Um,
4: also, like I wasn't surprised, but uh, mostly just like really sad, like bummed for our country. <laughs>
0: but was in no way in denial that Sanders had lost. In fact, she'd come to terms with his loss well before most.
4: I mean, to be perfectly frank, I think she clinched the nomination before the primaries season even started.
0: Whether folks were in a place where they believed that he had lost or were still holding on, there was, across the board, a frustration that the media would call the election before everyone had had the chance to cast their vote.
2: It's frustrating to me because I I do think that the meeting in the polls shaped the way that people think about voting and the way that people vote, maybe.
3: That's terrible. (laughs) That's really terrible. Even though I recognize that in terms of a popular vote, Hillary Clinton has gotten way more votes in the primary. So while it's unsurprising, it was just very unsavory to have the press call it before it's like you know it's like when you're getting like beat down real hard in a basketball game it's like it sucks and you know you're gonna lose but then like you're also just like not just gonna quit I don't know.
0: All but one of the people I spoke with mentioned feeling anger, and when I pushed them to name what or who they were angry with, there were two key targets, our democratic system and Hillary supporters themselves. Nola and Felicia both mentioned directing their anger at aspects of the system.
1: A lot of my anger has still been about the DNC, and I mean, I don't think it's just about Debbie Wasserman Schultz. It's not just about her as a chair, but... I think it's about how the DNC is conducting itself, saying Hillary is our candidate. And, you know, and it's very much this idea of the establishment candidate, and that's what works. I feel angry at only having a two party system. Even if I wanted to vote for Jill Stein or if Bernie decides to run as independent or whatever happens, it's like, that's going to split the votes. And that makes me real pissed off and mad. And it makes me mad again about the DNC of like, what work are you doing to get to, to talk to and have platforms that are attractive and wanted by people who are seeking out Candidates who are anybody but
6: the Democrat or Republican candidate. And when you say you feel angry, who or or what is do you feel like your anger is, is being directed at?
5: Well, the Democratic National Committee, in particular Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the entire Democratic elite establishment, uh, the state parties that have been a party to the voter suppression and the other things that have gone on,
0: kind of all of them. Samson, Felicia, and Zena were angry at Hillary supporters for appearing clueless despite an abundance of information available to them, clueless to both the harms that a Clinton presidency poses and to the actual chance that Bernie Sanders had to lead a revolution.
5: I feel like a lot of people have blinders on.
3: I'm angry at uh, the reality of our political climate in the U.S., There are people that are so entrenched in, like, mainstream ideology that they, like, can't see, like, a really remarkable candidate. And I understand that, like, my news sources and my, like, social media is really inundated with Bernie Sanders. But I think, like, the media blackout is real for, like, so many other people that think it's like, oh, Bernie Sanders is just a fringe character. And so I'm angry, too, that people don't seek out more information about something that, you know, affects their, their lives and that they're willing to just be, you know, the this, this sheep listening to Fox or, you know, MSNBC or whatever.
4: I mean, the sadness is like kind of a despair, black hole sadness that um, I think I, like many people, uh, mask with, with anger feelings of just like betrayal almost like I don't know how to how to like go forward and not see this as the people who I like have spent time and energy and effort trying to make better understand the way that the world works for the more marginalized population I don't I don't know how to not take that as a slap in the face to some extent.
0: Each mentioned being additionally angered and offended by Clinton supporters exhibiting excitement for Clinton's win. A win that each saw as in direct opposition to their best interests and to those of the country as a whole.
4: A lot of seeing people who I feel sometimes feign sympathy. Um, share this like glee. Like one of my best friends from home like posted on something that I had written about how excited she was for Hillary Clinton and And I just felt this, like, like this gut punch of, like, you literally don't give a fuck about me. Like, I have done everything I could in the 10-plus years of our friendship to convey to you what life is like to be a person of color, to be somebody of a different ability or somebody with an invisible illness or somebody with an immigrant family. Like, I've tried everything I could, and you're just telling me how happy you are that none of the things that I'm – that I'm demanding as, like, basic rights needed for humanity and life are valid. Like, you're just telling me to wait, basically. That it could get worse and that what what's happening right now isn't bad enough. That until there's a, you know, an overt supremacist in office, until it's, like, real and it affects you, it doesn't matter. Um, and I feel like that... That anger and that, it it, it fluctuates between, like, anger and despair over that. Uh,
5: I have seen some rubbing it in, which has not only been painful, but has made me angry. I found myself getting angry at
3: particular people for posting things, and most of the time it's along the lines of, like, Hillary Clinton is is the obvious choice, Hillary Clinton He's the only candidate. I don't know. Just It's just like this condescending tone. I don't know why I keep coming up with basketball analogies, but it's sort of like, you know, it's sort of like they're both fans in the 90s, and they're like, well, we're the best. And it's sort of like this condescending, like, my opinion is better than yours because I'm winning. I don't know. That's, that's really That's really upsetting to me.
0: Anger can be debilitating, and its negativity can leave people stuck and smoldering. But it can also be used as fuel, as NOLA was quick to recognize.
1: I think that what I can do is, and what I've been trying to do is to not, is to acknowledge that my anger is there and to not dwell in it and to think about, okay, all of those congressional seats are just as important as this one, too. Um, and I And I want to take that anger and put it into action.
5: Bargaining
0: is the stage of grief where folks ruminate on how things could have gone differently and what, if anything, could have prevented the loss from happening. It often takes the form of if-only or what-if statements and can involve both dreams of preventing the current loss from ever having happened and avoiding similar losses in the future. Some focus their bargaining on what they personally could have done differently.
2: I mean, I wish I'd actually volunteered. Um, <laughs> there was always some something else going on, you know. But I think That would have
0: made me feel better, even if the results were exactly the same. Or, more broadly, what Sanders supporters as a group could have done differently.
4: Um, I understand the vehemence and the the rage that many felt, but I think that the Bernie bro stereotype um, provided a perfect foil for Clinton instead of using the language that the GOP has provided in their attacks on Hillary, which I I think are extreme and excessive and definitely demonstrate intense misogyny. But I think a lot of Sanders supporters um, picked up that language instead of developing new language to show
1: the distinction between blind hatred and uh, genuine conflict. You know, if I could, we could all go back in time and things would happen differently is that Bernie supporters would continue to operate within fact, call out the fiction, you know, embrace those things, use those things to talk about why do you care about Bernie? All of us who were and are his supporters to engage in debate that says or engage in campaigning and lobbying people to vote for him to say, this is what he believes this is what he wants to see happen this is what he's about that's it you know um call out the fiction of the other candidate when they're promising something that they're talking out the other side of their mouth about you know i think that i tried to keep that in mind for myself and it's absolutely possible at times like i needed to do that too um but i think that's what i wanted to see from bernie supporters
0: Nolan and Zina both thought there were some missed opportunities by the Sanders campaign itself and discussed some of what they'd hoped to see from the campaign, whether or not it would have led to a different outcome.
4: He could have maybe made some less crotchety statements. I I think he could have um, responded quicker or reached out sooner to delegates. I think in his own uh, Senate history and his own you know, representative of Vermont history, you could have paid better attention to the minority groups there that were advocating for their rights. I I wanted to see,
1: I wanted to see them focus so much more, not just on like what are Hillary's shortcomings and what are, and I think, you know, and I do think that Bernie had an opportunity, you know, this whole phenomenon, right. Of like the Bernie bros of like men, in our movement who are acting badly, you know, are behaving badly and are doing some really messy stuff because of sexism and misogyny. Like those things are real. And I think I, what I wanted from his, from Bernie's campaign was to take a stronger stance on that, to be really clear of like, it is not okay. It is unacceptable for you to behave this way. And my rallies and my things, you know, even if it meant losing supporters of like, show up to the integrity of what your campaign is supposed to be about.
0: The Sanders campaign and its supporters were not working in a bubble, however, and several discussed bargaining they were doing around what role the system at play in the election, from the media to the democratic system itself, had on its outcome.
4: I don't mean to discount the people who voted for her, but I do think that um, had we had a different system, had we, were we like other places where the, the primary system was limited, the political platforms of each candidate are distributed, the debate system is set up by the state to enable all representatives or all candidates to have a say or a voice. I think that some of those people who voted
5: would have voted otherwise.
3: Overall, like, portrayal of the elections in general by mainstream media made his candidacy not as viable.
5: If this primary had not been rigged, I believe Bernie would have won. But even if if he hadn't won, if the voter rolls hadn't been purged, if the uh, election day uh, voting hadn't been sabotaged in so many places like in Arizona where they slashed the number of polling places by almost three quarters and all kinds of things, if there hadn't been such blatant disregard and violation of the rules in some of the caucus state, if the media had given him uh fair coverage, if if all of those things had happened i would be less angry
6: do you think if any of those things had happened in addition to being less angry you would feel at this point if everything kind of looked the same in terms of the delegate count and the you know the popular vote that you would feel more ready to accept that hillary clinton was the
0: nominee yes
4: I can't stay, yes I know, you know I hate to go, but goodbye, love is sweet, I would kind, could never meet, so I'll cry just a little cause I love you so, and
0: I'll die just a little cause I have to
5: go
0: away. Wrapped up in the already complex emotional process of grief is the stage of depression a complex, multifaceted emotion all its own. Depression can manifest in a lot of ways beyond simply feeling sad. For many of those I spoke with, it looked and felt like uncharacteristic apathy and a severe loss of hope.
3: A way like that I, I guess, grieve for things is sort of this, like, apathy, just saying, like, well, why does this even matter? Like, this doesn't even really matter. I didn't want to know about delegate counts or any of that kind of stuff, because just... Because it's like, well, we could have the superdelegates and then this many could have switched. and we could have two million uncounted votes. And it doesn't matter because they're just – the Democratic convention is going to pick Hillary Clinton anyways. So why waste energy figuring it out? It's like something that would happen even if the candidates were, like, completely, like, removed. It's, like, not about Bernie Sanders. It's about our, like, society at large and sort of, like, don't feel that a lot of real change – Happens, or it happens so incrementally that it's hard to get excited about. And I think I'm constantly like grieving for a political system that we don't have that I'll probably never have in my lifetime.
2: Now I'm kind of like whatever. I I'm I'm not I can't be disappointed with the political system too much because I didn't expect that much better. And the, more, the older I get, the more I realize that I'm just becoming more complacent, you know, and that's so sad too. Not by choice, really, just by being tired. Yeah. Anyway, it's just that's the thing that I'm sad about. It's not like the campaign or any of this capital letter stuff. It's just like losing that feeling of like momentum that was gathered around the campaign, I guess. But like I said, I I don't think it's gone forever. It's just kind of like this moment maybe is sadly ending.
1: Should have bought the merch. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've I've had sort of this like coexisting feeling of depression hopelessness about him not being nominated. I think it's been there for a while even when we had the the primary here in Oregon. You know, and I was like I think he's going to win significantly. Um but I started creeping in of like I think that it won't be enough. I started to have that, like, feeling, the feeling of doubt and depression were sort of co- coexisting there. You know, why would I even cast as folks? It doesn't matter. And, and then I think as the other primaries happened in between then and now, it was just this, like, everything's going to be the same. You know, everything is going to continue being that way. And it doesn't matter.
0: When it was announced that Clinton had the numbers she needed to clinch the nomination, Xena gave her husband Dave...
4: ...a unfair, quick ultimatum that he would either have to be willing to leave the country or be willing to give up the possibility of having children because the people of this country just decided that our children weren't of relevance to their future. That was my reaction. It was to just go immediate cold, bummed of, okay, America, you don't care, you aren't listening, you're maybe not going to listen.
6: And how did, how did Dave respond?
4: Um, You know, he tried to be more reasonable about it. We talked about it for a second, and then, you know, he kind of just hugged me and let me be sad and let me cry about it. He's a bit more or what our society would call pragmatic. And I think also privileged to not feel the same sort of the same sort of terror um and to respect and understand the things that I'm talking about being afraid of, but not have any not had any of the same experiences of actually like living that fear.
0: the experiences of fear Zena's referring to are related to her health, and Sanders' platform regarding healthcare reform forum held a lot of promise for her future and her family's future
4: I have a a degenerative disorder that has become increasingly expensive due to some of the trade offs made with the ACA. And so as we're talking about our finances together and you see more and more the really prohibitive costs involved with keeping me alive. Um, and how those are affected by moderate policy. Um, and so there you know, there are those times where he can understand really and and he does guess Defensive and angry. But at the end of the day, I think he's more afraid of the unknown than the known.
0: For Felicia, it was the already present and persistent apathy of American voters long before any of their candidates lost that had her feeling let down and sad.
5: I feel sad and disappointed that the people in this country are so disconnected from the political process that they really just accept what they're told um, and that makes me very very sad
0: feeling let down by your community your nation especially with such high stakes can no doubt contribute to depressive feelings both Zena and felicia spoke about feeling
4: disappointed with people for not for being so close and not recognizing how close we were
5: i just have felt for the past however many months that we've had, we have one shot to start turning this country around economically, militaristically, socially and that if we don't seize that chance we may not get another one. And so I feel incredibly sad and I have a lot of grief that it appears this chance is slipping away.
0: Acceptance is considered the last phase of the grieving process, and while some may consider it a time when a person in grief feels okay about what happened and has moved on, it's more often the case that a person in grief never really feels good, or even okay, about the loss they've experienced. More often, acceptance is a stage where the grieving person accepts the reality of the loss they've experienced, that it's real and permanent, and begin to move forward, learning to live with and within this new reality. Some I spoke with did not struggle to get to a place of acceptance, because Clinton's win felt inevitable.
6: Would you say that you've gotten to a place where you can accept that Hillary Clinton's going to be the Democratic nominee?
3: Yeah, I mean, on some level, I've always been at that place. because They just feel so like, ugh, well, I'm sure it'll be fine if Hillary gets elected.
4: I hope she does. The system did exactly what the system has always done. You know, like, populist movements are never met with the support of the system. That's not how it works. That's... If that's how it worked, we would be in a far better place than we are now. Um, So I think, yeah, I mean, I think the system did exactly what the system was meant to do. It, It kept the people who had power before with power now.
0: Others, like Nola, were still working to get to a place of acceptance emotionally, though we're already strategically reacting to this new, accepted reality. Both Nola and Zena felt that if it was their time to accept a Clinton Democratic ticket, they would cope through shifting their focus and energies towards down-ballot contests instead.
1: Like I know like the primaries are over, like she's going to be the nominee. I think my acceptance, I'm still getting there. I think that's sort of where the complicated, complex part of this comes in, is like intellectually I know this, but emotionally I don't accept this. I mean, I'm not okay with this. I feel I still I have that sort of mixture of like anger and despair and concern and all of those things are sort of mixed together still for me emotionally. It's like I'm getting there with mm-hmm. accepting it, even mm-hmm. though intel- intellectually I've moved on. I don't feel at this point that I can do anything about Bernie being the presidential nominee. And it makes me sad. And it also reminds me that we have, a lot of other, we have a lot of other parts of this election that we need some caretaking on. Otherwise, it's not going to matter if he is the nominee or not, because we have, we have this whole other branch of government. And it takes the cooperation of that body of Congress to get the real long-lasting, life-saving, life-changing shit done.
4: I'm not shying away from my political duty. I just think that if it really comes down to Hillary and Trump, then my best efforts are placed not in our presidential election, but in every other form. If the presidential election system is one in which I am not able to, to feel that agency, to feel that enfranchisement, then it is even more my responsibility to do that in the local election, to do that where to where it counts. You know, the, I guess I think that there are a lot of other things I could do uh, politically, civically, socially, that would be far, far, far more impactful than my vote in this election, and that my vote in this election would do much more harm than good to the causes that I, I really work toward.
0: Zena brings up an important element of the acceptance of Clinton's nomination how these Grieving Sanders supporters are going to vote in the Clinton-Trump general election. As you heard, when we spoke, Zena felt her vote in the general could do more harm than good for the issues she cared about most. Nationally, this sentiment is not all that uncommon, sometimes deemed the Bernie or bust mentality. To me, it's important to consider that committed Bernie Sanders supporters are still grieving, and it's not reasonable to ask a person who has invested so much time, passion, hope, and maybe even money into a candidate's campaign to immediately accept that loss and readily, enthusiastically shift their support to the victorious nominee. That request ignores the very real and deep human emotions connected to this process. It also ignores the fact that Clinton and Sanders diverge on several key issues that were incredibly important to those I spoke with, as you heard at the top of the story. Determining how they will vote, or not vote, as the case may be, in the general election will occur during the acceptance phase that, when we spoke, some had just arrived at and others had not. This phase includes the acceptance of the reality that Hillary Clinton is the Democratic nominee. In an assessment of that new reality the bereaved find themselves in. Clinton for the Democrats, Trump for the Republicans, and Stein and Johnson on the third-party Green and Libertarian tickets, respectively. Nolan and Felicia both spoke of what they felt would help them get to a place of acceptance, and in turn, a place where they would consider voting for Hillary Clinton in the general election. Clinton and her party would have to do some work, and were not going to gain either of their votes purely by default.
1: I think what possibly will help is if, when I see that Hillary Clinton says, "I'm going to show up and be the best candidate to you, Bernie supporters, that I can be," you know, and thank, and thank you for thinking about supporting me. As a, I mean, she's not going to say any of those things. But I mean, something close to that, I guess. Something that's like, "I'm going to work with Senator Sanders." I'm going to work with Senator Sanders to see how we can better align our platforms, so I can run as the candidate for all for you. Also, we have some differences in our platforms. Let's align them so that I can I can not just you know, pre- you know presume that I'll be you know I'll be getting your vote, but I can actually like do some work for it. I guess
5: it's really in the details of what happens at the convention, what actually gets written into the Democratic party platform, and people getting the sense that her support for the platform is genuine. That's what it would take.
0: Even Zena said that while she's not holding her breath, she'd consider voting for Clinton if she heard a
5: massive, massive public
4: apology on her part. You know what I mean? Like, if Hillary Clinton gets on stage and apologizes for her language and her actions, and tells us that she's not going to Support Israel, and is not going to support the uh, big banks. Is not going to support the prison industrial complex. Is not going to support trade policies. So she does that. So I'm like, yeah. I'm not like. I don't want her to be the worst human in the world. I don't. <laughs> that doesn't benefit me. I would. I would love it. It would be great. <laughs> but I don't foresee that happening. If it does, you will find me first. First of all, people posting that shit up on the Facebook walls, sharing it
0: around. Every single person I spoke with discussed the one unique factor in this election that may just be powerful enough to unify Sanders and Clinton supporters, more powerful than any significant platform shifts they hope to see.
5: We are so polarized right now. I don't know whether we can break down those barriers, but if anything can help us break down the barriers, it's Trump.
3: Uh, The anti-Trump fear factor definitely is. more more of a factor than it is or has been in other elections.
1: Whatever grief stages that I'm going through at the same time are coupled with that feeling of urgency and fear about Donald Trump.
0: Carolyn Sampson, who at the time we spoke had decided they'd likely vote for Hillary Clinton, cited a fear of a Trump presidency as the driver behind their decisions.
6: Are you gonna vote for Hillary in the um, general if she gets the nomination?
2: Yeah, probably, especially given who she's running against.
6: I think, like, a
2: lot of people are pretty pretty frightened and worried about what Trump being president would be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, Hillary Clinton, less or two evils. She would not be the worst president. In fact, she might be one of the most competent presidents. Competent doesn't always mean
3: good, but she would be good at getting yeah.
2: what she wanted done
3: although I don't support the lesser of two evils idea, like, we really don't want to have Donald Trump as a president. Like, that's terrible. Like, I would vote for, like, pretty much anyone else.
0: Nola and Felicia, who both mentioned needing to see some effort put into a platform compromise from the Clinton camp, both also spoke to the ways that a fear of a President Trump becoming a reality could push them to vote for the, quote-unquote, lesser of two evils.
1: My life and my livelihood is at risk if Donald Trump is elected. That's real, and I want more than anything to not have that feeling of I'm going to vote for the lesser evil because, I, I mean, I don't think of Hillary Clinton as evil, but um, I – I don't want to have that feeling of like, well, I guess I just have to, you know, resolve and I'm just going to do, you know, the best possible thing. I want the option of the best thing. I want the option of the best person for me and for what's going on in my life and the lives of people that I care very much about. But, you know, our lives are at risk if this guy, Trump gets elected.
5: In almost every election. I have voted for what I consider to be the lesser of two evils. And Hillary is the lesser of two evils. And I'm at a point in my life where morally it has gotten increasingly hard for me to do that. I really want to be able to feel good about myself in relationship to politics. And I think a lot of that could come from voting my conscience. Donald Trump, though, yeah. is, a, is an outlier. Uh, he's unlike anything that we've seen in my lifetime. Depending on what happens at the convention, I could end up not supporting but voting for Hillary.
6: So is that kind of like begrudgingly voting for her? Yes. Or, and why would yeah. you do that?
5: Just to stop Trump.
0: Zina, who at the time we spoke, was the only person who was not willing to consider voting for Clinton that is barring a
4: massive, massive public apology on her part,
0: also spoke of Trump as a greater threat than any Republican contender we've seen before. Weighing a fear of Trump with a threat that Clinton poses to her, though, does not have her running fearfully to cast her ballot for Hillary.
4: I think that Trump's language borders on hate crime. I think that the things that he says and the, the violence that he encourages at his rallies and the the hate that he encourages does actually present a really real physical threat and and that i like like can't i can't participate in the encouragement of um i don't want trump to win i it's not like i mean so when it was barack versus mitt i voted mitt i, I voted to just hurry up the pain like rip the band-aid style um but i can't i, I don't feel the same ability to do it with trump I, I find him more of a threat i find him more of a danger to the people and the causes that I, I believe in and I, I love. Um, but at the same time, I, I feel the same fear about Clinton. So I don't know how to vote for either of them. And, um, yeah, voting for the Green Party or voting for another candidate would be a way to, to vocalize that, to show that. Um, and so it's something that I'm, I'm definitely considering. But I'm also looking at jobs abroad.
0: and what about that option voting for a third party candidate while Samson rationalized that
3: when you know that one of two choices is is going to be president to me it just doesn't make sense to to vote for anyone else but one of the two
0: Felicia who was still deciding how she'd vote depending on how the democratic platform shaped up and whether a fear of Trump would scare her away from voting her conscience was considering it
5: I uh, I would either vote for Jill Stein, or I would write in Bernie Sanders if I were not to vote for Hillary.
6: Do you believe that uh, that person that you would vote for, whether that's Stein or Sanders, that they could actually win the election?
5: No. 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 But I think they could send a, a big message.
6: Who do you think would receive that message?
5: Hopefully, the Democratic Party. They may be too blind or too corrupt to see it. But I do think that with the level of anger and disgust in the country, we have the potential to start building a new political movement and maybe even a new political party.
3: And Sampson? I'm not sure that voting for third-party candidates is is the means to ending the two-party system. So because I don't feel strongly about any of the other candidates, um, I'm not going to vote for them either. I'm just going to vote for Hillary Clinton.
0: When I think of the grieving I've done in my life, beyond a bitter acceptance of a new disappointing reality, what really helped me push forward and get to a place where I was thriving again, where I cared again to the heights that I had cared before being let down, before experiencing that loss, was hope, a hope for the future. It is clear that Sanders supporters, as they wade through their grieving process, are finding all kinds of hope. Hope for Bernie Sanders' political future,
1: That gives me hope, him being part of the administration or, you know, maybe potentially going back into the Senate. I think also there's possibility of him him being a really – he could build it on the momentum, even if he doesn't go back into an elected position. I think that he also has the possibility to continue pushing on – there's a want for a significant at least third party in this country um, for progressive causes. You know, and I think that there is absolutely a possibility that that's something that he could do. I would be really pumped about that. I would get on board with that and find a way to be helpful in that however I could.
2: I think he should just go back to Senate and be awesome in Senate and have like a whole caucus of people who he's supporting to get elected and who who think like him. And,
0: yeah, try to do more there. Hope for how the Sanders campaign and Sanders supporters can influence the Democratic platform at the DNC and further the future of the Democratic Party.
4: I think that the, the best outcome that could have happened, in my opinion, with the Democratic nomination is for a lot of people to be present um, in Philly and um, really making the Democratic Party hear how discontent they are with how things have played out. I don't think it's going to change anything this year. But I, I think if the Democratic Party wants to survive, it's hopefully going to change something going forward.
1: There's a shit ton of us who still support what Bernie has to say and what Bernie's platforms have had to say. And so I feel hopeful that that can influence what her platforms are going to look like, what her narratives, her rhetoric is going to be coming out of the convention going into the general election.
0: And maybe, most of all, hope that Bernie's political revolution was not in vain, but can go on without him beyond the 2016 presidential election. Bernie Sanders' campaign energized and mobilized masses of discontented, critically thinking progressives who showed up with a deep commitment to dismantling and revolutionizing our country's oppressive and broken systems. Sanders supporters by the millions made viable the most progressive platform our nation has ever seen. That spark has been lit. And what the future could hold for this movement may just be the hope that the now grieving Sanders supporters need to keep pushing to make it happen.
3: I definitely have more hope for the future because I feel like a lot of other people have been inspired uh, in terms of their interest in politics. It's brought a lot of issues to the main stage that were are getting talked about as much in a radical way as they are now.
4: Bernie Sanders... Was not possible. Was not going to be possible. Is not possible. But we can still do those things together. It just, it's just is going to take more work. It's going to take more time. It's going to take more, more struggle, unfortunately, and, and more loss of life, and, and more wrongful imprisonment, and more wrongful deportation. It's going to take. It's going to take a lot more, bad, um, and that that terrifies and saddens me but i think if we lose hope then then we lose life to some extent then
3: we lose the war
0: i want to thank carol sam nola felicia and Zena for sharing their grieving process with me for this story you heard music today by The Wonders, The Shags, Rachel Platten, Gary and the Nightlights, The Enchanted Forest, The Ponds, and The Banana Splits. This is Nash Jones. Thank you for listening, and hang in there, everyone. We'll get through this together.